We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chaneo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here as always with Sam. Sam, I have a question for you. How good of a coach do you think Amare Stoudemire will be for the Brooklyn Nets? Oh, man. Um, That is a tough question to unload on me as soon as we open up the show. You know what? Not my first choice. Can I just say, like, you know, I, I... Amari might be a good coach in Brooklyn. He really might. But uh, I think we can probably all admit that that was, that was pretty surprising news and, and probably not the first. Like, if you were to choose any former teammate of Steve Nash's when he was on Phoenix, mm-hmm. Amari Stoudemire for assistant coach is probably, like, you're probably thinking, uh, well, I guess Jared Dudley's still in the league. Yeah. But like, Grant Hill. Raja Bell. Channing Fry. Raja Bell. Who apparently even he Blake asked. Boris Diaw. Yeah, Diaw. Even Boris Diaw. Even Boris Diaw. Not Amari Stoudemire. I don't think anyone was expecting Amari Stoudemire. So, you know what? Uh, supposedly he's coming over in a player development role. I guess we're going to see what happens. Um, if the idea is to teach Kyrie and KD to run uh, a Nash stat 
pick and roll. I don't think that's exactly going to work out for them in 2020 how it did in 2005. But uh, yeah, I, I'm obviously rooting for them. And uh, I don't live uh, down in New York City anymore, but it is exciting um, to see maybe something something positive come to that basketball market. I've seen people say, why couldn't the Suns have brought him on? And, and my first thought was, do we really want a big man who does not <laughs> no, play defense? Don't. As a coach on the Suns, like that's a that's no, a, we don't. and and here's the thing, he might be fine, but he is a big man who didn't really play good defense while he was in the NBA. So it's a weird thing where what you want as a coach usually is your big men to be like the defensive anchors for your team, uh, and and yeah, I I think a lot of it will will just be having another guy on your side in those meetings and in practices and things like that. And you can teach things that you weren't exactly good at just because you weren't good at it. doesn't mean it's impossible to teach. I just I think it adds a little credence when you're good at it. So it's interesting. It's cool. It's for Suns fans. It's very interesting. And, and, and it's something that took the entire basketball community by surprise. I think, um, yeah, again, like I don't think it was, in, there were rumors about D'Antoni coming to team up with Nash. Yeah. Like it wasn't a total surprise that it would be someone from his posse, so to speak. But like, you know, I, I watched a podcast, the, uh, <laughs> the Omri Caspi podcast with Amari Stoudemire. This was a few months back. It was just randomly popped up on my YouTube recommended, but I remember listening to this. It's kind of funny because the two of them are like, strangely enough, like Israel's basketball legends you know um because amari yeah. converted to judaism like 10 years yeah. ago and he and he played in israel for the past couple of years um but but omri on that podcast was asking him like so what you know what's next man and he was like do you want to coach in basketball or do you want some sort of role in basketball and he was basically like no you know i'm just focusing on my investments like you know i've got these wine companies obviously we know he he popularized the uh red wine bath back when he was in new york he was famous <laughs> for that so I think he must have had a change of heart at some point when I guess Nash approached him in, in probably just the past month or so. Um, and, and yeah, it's really something that's surprising. But again, totally rooting for him. Um, totally wish them the best. I will root for, for Nash and Amari and the Brooklyn Nets against any team except Phoenix now, I think. I just uh, do have to agree with you that I'm happy they're not here <laughs> yeah. because I don't want... And we had right. the same discussion when, when Nash was hired. I don't want the legacy tarnished by them having a bad stint with Phoenix, uh, you know, maybe getting into spats with Robert Sarver, that sort of thing. It is interesting how that team that those Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash Suns teams still have a lasting impact on the NBA, like enough, enough so that this is news. Obviously now there's highlights of their pick and roll going around, which is great. I think there's a weirdly a lack of like really high quality uh, mixes of those two guys. And now they're kind of going around on Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube, and all that, which is fun to see. But uh, it, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because you go back and you watch highlights of like like watching the last run that Nash made with Gentry in 2010. That was in the well-established YouTube area, um, era, so you can find tons of stuff of that. But if you go back to 2005, it's like 144 yeah. pixel compilations with like really bad hip hop in the background yeah. of like you can kind of make out which one is is Sean Marion and which one is Joe Johnson, you know. But like, yeah, it's it's really bad. So yeah, shout out to the Suns Dynasty guy. I think is his name on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah, there's like he, that he one. Has so channel. much that he puts so he much carried. Stuff. He carried the the entire YouTube presence for like that whole era, um, man. I can't tell you the number of times that I went back and like sought out that content in like 
2013 or something, you know, when we were like banking on Kendall Marshall or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. I sought out that content instead Michael as, Beasley. as a form. Yeah. Just like escapism from like Michael Beasley and Hakeem Warwick and whatever. But yeah, but yeah it's all, all in the past. Do you think that a red wine bath would make you drunk? Uh, I've never thought of this. I'm sure someone's asked him before. I don't. I don't believe it does. It's a pretty smart way to sell does. wine. Like if it caught on, people would have to buy a lot of wine to, to take My, a bath in. Hey, it's not going to catch on. <laughs> I'm just. It's not going to catch on. It's. It's one of those really um, kind of erratic, weird things that just like if you have twenty million dollars to burn, like Amari Stoudemire, <laughs> then yeah, maybe you're going to get yeah, into that. It seems like, like something Gwyneth Paltrow would do. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly what it seems like. So maybe maybe he needs to get her to write about it. What's what's her uh, what's her product? What's it called? Uh, like goop? goop? Yeah, it's like a it's like a blog, right? I actually have no idea. I don't know why we're talking about oh, this I don't now. Know. <laughs> I thought it was a secret sauce of some sort. Um, yeah, let's let's move on to what else happened this week. There was actually some news this week, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I, yeah, we we should talk about that. Yeah, the the season might actually start in what I guess two two months. <laughs> That's insane to say. Uh, there's rumors that the NBA is pushing to start the season on December 22nd. Forgive me, I don't know who reported this first. Usually I'd like to credit people. I'm not sure who reported this first. Uh, but December 22nd is is the rumor. Uh, and it seems like the people reporting it are pretty confident that it's going to start this early. So just to clarify the timeline on all of this, because... No pun intended. On all this, it's it's all very very quick now. So we have it's it's October twenty sixth now. We have the draft on November eighteenth. The rumors are free agency within a few days after that. So no, let's say November twenty first. Uh, training camp starting December first, and then the actual season, the first games of the season, December twenty second. So that's all in this in, insanely tight timeline, which would affect the teams that were in the playoffs a long time more than it would affect other teams. Obviously I think you think about first of all, the eight teams that didn't make the bubble at all. They haven't played since March. So that's a very, very long time. The Suns stopped. I think their last game was, I don't know, maybe the end of August. I'm not even sure when it was at this point. It's been a while. Yeah, It was a, it was a little bit before then. I think it was like August 15th yeah. or 20th or something. So, I mean long enough that they'll be, okay with that timeline but i think the most powerful players in the nba are the ones that stay in the playoffs the longest and those are the ones that are going to have the most trouble coming up back on that shortened timeline but it's pretty fascinating what what, what were your thoughts when you saw this news uh, i thought it was insane honestly and and i understand because the nba is kind of in a lose-lose situation right they don't want to compete with football necessarily for too long they've also got uh you know, things within their contracts with the RSNs. Um, you can only compete with baseball for so many games and you don't want to overlap with the Olympics either necessarily, which have been pushed back to next summer, of course. So uh, there are all of these hard kind of obstacles for them to sort of plan around. And ultimately what they're going to do now is shorten the season a little bit. We're probably going to see a little bit more load management going into next year right. from some of those stars, um, as I think you were kind of hinting at there. Ultimately what it means for us in the next two months in the short term is that that period between the draft, which is November 18th, as you said, um, and training camp, the, the theoretical start of that is December 1st. That's a two-week, less than two-week turnaround. It's going to make for, I think, possibly the most tumultuous 
Well, I don't necessarily want to say that because because like we know it's a weak free agent class. I don't necessarily know that there's going to be the demand this year that there is in some other summers. But it's going to make for a very tumultuous period in NBA history. Just a player movement. There's going to be nonstop, constant news um, for maybe that two-week period, yeah. which might be very exciting for us mm-hmm. as consumers of the league. We all know how much consumers of the league eat up news about free agency. Um, but I also think that maybe that has some effects on the way that things go yeah, with absolutely. free agency. I think I think that coinciding with this other news that came out where, where they're kind of conflicting reports, but conflicting reports about potential for the salary cap to drop anywhere from like three to twelve million dollars to other reports that say no actually that the salary cap is going to stay right where it is at 109 million dollars for next season not a good. cent more um but but that report plus all of this uh, insane amount of rapid player movement um in a two-week period honestly it might incentivize a lot of players to resign i think with their current teams um and i think that may be sort of the big thing that I'm looking looking out for. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. And I think from a team perspective, from a general manager perspective, I think a lot of them look at the situation where they have no time, uh, like once the new players are signed. Like imagine you get a brand new player on November 21st signed, and then you start immediately a week and a half later with training camp. That's uh, That's as far as a lot of, team personnel think that's kind of a disaster but part of me wonders is does that matter to players like i i I think it does matter i think that's what teams want i think that's what coaches would want uh, as much continuity as possible but the players that are free agents i still wonder how much that would actually matter to them there's not a lot of opportunities for nba players to be free agents in their career first of all most of their careers are relatively short uh so they only have a few different contracts that they sign uh, second of all, there's not a lot of opportunities that they have to make a lot of money. So they want to capitalize on their opportunities to make a lot of money. The cap for the 2020-21 season may not be going down. It sounds like I listened to the Bobby Marks, Zach Lowe podcast. They sound pretty confident it's going to stay at 109, which is good news for the Suns. And and that, frankly, that's the report that I would trust. Yeah. I would trust Bobby Marks above yeah, other people. He's also the guy that reported potential three to $15 million drop though. But in, in, in oh. his defense, <laughs> never mind. he's the guy that reports all cap news and rumors. So that's, that's the cap guy. That's like the ESPN cap guy. But they also touched on the fact that future free agencies may be affected more by this loss of revenue overall. Right now they're trying to keep it as steady as possible, but going forward, they may not be able to continue, continue to do that. So, well, I agree. I think a lot of teams look at this and say, I, I would like to keep this steady and, and everything fine. I still think a lot of players are saying, this is my free agency. I'm just going to find the team that I want to be with the most, the place that I want to live the most, you know, the type of things that matter to people. Uh, you know, a lot of these people who are free agents, this might be the first time that they actually have an opportunity to choose the team that they're on. That's a nice thing. So I do wonder mm-hmm. how much it actually affects the way the players think of it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe well, maybe they don't want to move. No, I think... Well, look, I think it's a lot to ask these players. I mean, think about kind of where the country is right now, just in terms of when I talk about a tumultuous time, it's hard to uproot your family right now and move cross-country in a way that normally it's, it's not as restrictive to do that, right? And that might be a small consideration. It might be a short-term consideration, hopefully, but... I think it's still something that players are thinking about. And I think asking them to kind of 
I, I think the reality is that a lot of these players have made up their minds already. They're not going to start thinking about where they want to go on, say, November 21st, right? If that's actually when free agency opens up. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm going to quote this now, maybe wishful thinking on my part, but tweet from Keith Smith today, who said multiple teams, quote, multiple teams are asking the NBA for clarity on offseason dates yeah. because of how tight windows are. Teams would like some direction on dates beyond just the November 18th draft. Um, But then he goes on to say there are rumors circulating that some free agents have already reached Mm. agreements for next season, which would be a bit of an unprecedented move. I mean, you know, there's nothing to stop players. Well, there's (laughs) not. No, I mean, there's nothing to stop players from reaching out and, and saying, hey, you know, come come join me. But I think this is suggesting a slightly larger degree of tampering than we've seen mm. in, in other seasons kind of because we're in such a weird transition period where like no trades can be done right now yeah. nothing nothing can yeah. be done until the cba is like fully yeah. ratified um, or or updated right. um so everyone's kind of just sitting on their hands and and, and doesn't really know what to do right. um that isn't stopping the players from thinking about it though and and of course that has um some relevance to the suns as well because there are targets that you and i are both interested in uh for the suns yeah who may have already made up their minds yeah. for all we know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, as we were talking about the the players potentially who have already made decisions, just think about the free agents on the non-bubble teams. Like those people have had a lot of time to sit around and think about their future. I'm, I imagine they would be pretty anxious as far as actually figuring it out. So I think what you're referring to there though mm. is Christian Wood. Uh, mm it's you know christian wood it's possible he's already found a destination and and if there's a small indication found by our friend andrew Lezis of uh <laughs> after he went on his youtube live i'm sorry instagram live which we've talked about in the past and asked people where he should sign not that those people had any sway i think he was just being kind of a dick <laughs> uh he did follow the sons he followed devin booker he followed devin booker's brother uh, one of Devin Booker's right. close friends, uh, base basically a lot of people in and around and, and the Devin Booker mind, circle. I'm looking at Christian Wood's Instagram right now. He follows 62 people total. Does he, he follow has Kendall 000. Jenner? He does. No, he does not follow Kendall okay, Jenner. No, it's, it's probably an exclusive a no club. 62 people. <laughs> here's the thing: 62 people, almost exclusively either basketball teams or basketball players. He follows all of his teammates, obviously. Then he follows some select players around the league. It's not just Devin Booker, but I don't think it's anyone quite on the level of Devin Booker. I don't know exactly uh, what the connection is with him to all of these players. Um, But the most interesting part about it to me is I do think Christian Wood is a little bit of a troll here. Yeah. uh, Because he follows like five basketball teams. And who are the teams he follows? He follows (laughs) the Phoenix Suns. He follows the New York Knicks. He follows the Charlotte Hornets. The Detroit Pistons, obviously. Um, The Atlanta Hawks. Ah. And it also looks like he follows the Houston Rockets and the Toronto Raptors. So those last two teams don't have cap space. But all of those other teams, remember, we've been talking about only five or six teams have cap space this year. Who are those teams? It's Detroit, Phoenix, um, Charlotte, and New York, and Miami. I I might have to double check. And Atlanta. I might have to double check to see if he also follows Miami. But the point is... He knows what he's doing. He's following all of the teams yeah. with cap space. So do you buy that this is actually some sort of legitimate interest, or are we just speculating for fun here? Uh, no, I don't really buy it. <laughs> I don't really buy it. 
<laughs> I do think, but well, I choose. I choose to believe. Well, here's I what I will say: like that is something a player would do. Like if they, if if Christian Wood, his agent had approached, or James Jones, they had a conversation, let's say, and there was some sort of unofficial agreement made. Yeah, that's kind of something he would do. So I, I don't think it's completely like insane. I just think the Suns have a few players at that position already that are playing uh, with the team. Be- by the way, Kelly Oubre only follows yeah. Ricky Rubio and DeAndre Ayton as far as Suns players. Now, he only follows nine people total, but that's still kind of weird. <laughs> so- that, is, that, is, that is pretty weird. By the way, I just double-checked. Um, Christian Wood does follow the Miami Heat, so he knows exactly yeah. what he's doing. Those are the only teams he follows. It's like his now, agent say, got a hold of his Instagram. <laughs> now I will say, he could choose to follow Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler right. or Trey Young. Uh, he doesn't follow any of those players, but he does follow Devin Booker and Devin Booker's brother and Devin Booker's friend. <laughs> what does that mean? Probably nothing. <laughs> just food for just probably nothing, but it's it's food for thought. Food for thought here at the Timeline Podcast. Think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if the Suns signed Christian Wood, they probably would have to make a trade. You see that? That's transition, Sam. Uh, they pr- <laughs> That's a really, that was the transition. They're right. only good if you ca- if you can call them out directly. The one of the things that we wanted to talk about on this podcast was fake trades. It's fake trade season. It's basically happening everywhere. Bleacher Report is is writing about their terrible options for fake trades. Sometimes okay. Uh, usually not for Suns. For some reason, most most places writing about the Suns, they desperately want the Suns to trade Ricky Rubio, which I think if you see a any publication writing about a trade where Ricky Rubio is leaving the Suns and they're not getting like Chris Paul, basically only Chris Paul, because there's not a lot of other point guards available at this point. And even then, we know you're like in your in your little Chris Paul. Corner. Right, right. But what I mean is. <laughs> They don't understand how important Ricky Rubio was to the Suns or how important the point guard Facts. the point guard position was for the Suns this Facts. last year. So you see that going out in any trade is a good indication that those people didn't watch the Suns because they don't understand exactly what uh, they needed in order to be good this last year or get better. Now, mind you, if they're sending out Ricky Rubio and you're getting Chris Paul back, yeah, okay, maybe there's some sort of defense of that. But I haven't really seen any other point guards available that you can get. I, I, you know, so I, I'm not exactly sure why all these places are doing that. Tangent, I know, uh, but we wanted to break down a few of them. I found some of the ones that were written about online. I found some, or I asked for some from Suns fans on Twitter as well. So we have quite a few to go over. Do you want me to just pick one at random here? I know you and I have thought of a few as well, but there's enough that we could really go over quite, quite a bit. Yeah, so I think this is one of those episodes where we're going to get really judgmental. I mean, just by the name of the game. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I I just want to remind everybody, this is all for fun. First of oh, all, I haven't even checked to see if all these trades are legal. Sure. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah, I, so I want to say about the trades that you got, I know you posted a tweet. You had like a million people respond to you. I haven't looked at a single one of those, so we're going to... I'm going to judge those on the spot. Um, the ones, so that, that might be, you know, I might make some really dumb judgments, but my greater point being, I don't believe that it would be fair of us to judge all these trades, both from the media and other Suns fans alike. You know, you have to put up something as well. So both of us have an idea. We will talk about our idea, I think at some point later, but, uh, yeah, I think you could just kind of go and choose whichever one you want and we'll, we'll figure it out. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. 
you have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's start with one one that I tweeted about. This is one, this one's from Reddit, and it's from somebody from Reddit. I think it's pronounced Rivehard. Is the user's name? He's a long time. Uh, this is I don't. Uh, for the record, I don't think this is realistic, and I'm trying to only go over the ones as realistic as possible. But I think this one had enough of an interesting conversation on Twitter that we have to talk about it, and one that you and I might be on different sides of uh, for this specific one. And it's Ubre, Jerome, and the 10th pick for Hayward, 14, 26, and 30. And that's the main reason I don't think, for the record, the Celtics would do it. It's the picks. 14, 26, and 30. Three picks, essentially, for Ubre and Jerome, along with Hayward, which I did not think Hayward was available at all. The I'm Zach sorry, that's Lowe Gordon and- Hayward or Lazar Hayward, who played for the Timberwolves <laughs> back in 2010. <laughs> it's true. We should actually make sure before we make this trade. Uh, we don't. We don't want another. Is it Marshawn or Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Zach Lowe Bobby Marks podcast did make it sound like maybe Hayward was not totally unavailable. They were very careful to not say that he was available, but it did sound like there was enough smoke that there might be fire at some point. And I think this is not the type of trade I think the Celtics would make to try uh, to get off of that Hayward contract, if you will. And I'm going to use that in quotes um, because I'm not sure. I'm just not sure how Ugubre fits on a really good team yet. Mm. Um, but it is kind of interesting. I, I, I personally defended this trade Heartily, mostly because if you just look at it as the tenth pick for the fourteenth, twenty-six, and thirty, that that alone as a trade is a pretty good trade if you're confident in 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 your drafting. And then you look at the rest of it as Ubre and Jerome for Hayward. Hayward is a better player than Kelly Ubre significantly. Like it, it, you just look at the skill set alone. 
offensively, he's way more versatile. Yes, maybe he's not quite the finisher, but the versatility is there. He can create for himself and for others, which I think is huge. And defensively, he's an excellent team defender. I think this is something that Ubre is actually relatively bad at. Uh, I have been on Team Keep Ubre. Obviously, we've talked about that a lot, but the reason I've been on Team Keep Ubre is because I want this team to have a versatile set of wings that they can surround DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker with. And if you could upgrade one of those wings, like Ubre for Hayward, I would absolutely do that. And no, the reason you were hesitant on it. Although you were more just hesitant on the idea of Hayward, I don't think it was this trade, right? Well, is the contract, but no, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I don't disagree with you as much as you think I do. <laughs> uh, so first of all, the thing about Gordon Hayward, terrible contract. I think we all know that. Um, you can get off his contract next year, though. He's only got one year left at like thirty-four million dollars or something insane. So that I guess that's where we should start. Um, I again, we haven't checked any of these trades to make sure they fit within the confines of the cap. I'm assuming this one here means the Suns trade Ubre and Jerome and they absorb Hayward with all of their cap space. Correct. So they have Correct. no more cap space. They can only use the mid-level exception. Okay. Just making right. sure well, we're clear there. Uh, yeah. I think there is a way to still create a little bit of You cap could create space. a little bit, but I don't think you could create more than you would get value out of the mid-level plus like the biannual. You know what I mean? Like... Like, you could create $5 million right. in cap space. Uh, 100%. Maybe, but, right. Right. Uh, honestly, at that point, though, if you're absorbing Hayward and also re-signing Saric and Baines and also, you know, using multiple exceptions, you might be pushing luxury tax territory at, at a certain point. I don't know exactly where that number is. I think it's like 100. It's going to go down. Yeah, it's going to go down. I think it was at 140-ish this year. Um, but at a certain point you get close there for a team that probably doesn't deserve to be there. So that's, that's a consideration too. Um, I think Gordon Hayward, I agree with you, is a better player than Kelly Oubre. And I think that is a harsh truth that maybe a lot of Suns fans don't believe at this point. Obviously another main consideration here though is, is, is Gordon Hayward for 50 games better than Kelly Oubre for 75 you know, if, if, and obviously you can't control injuries to, to that extent necessarily in any given season, but just, and I know Kelly Oubre just had an injury, but given Hayward's past, theoretically, if we assess him as more of an injury risk, um, and going, you know, with the fact that this will be, again, hypothetically, I, I wish I could speak with fewer hypotheticals, but again, hypothetically, this looks like a season uh, that is going to have becoming off of giving players less rest than they've received in the past, even if it is a shortened season, even if it is 72 games or whatever. Um, there are some there are some reasons there that you wouldn't want to take on a player like Gordon Hayward. But ultimately, I'll say this. This is a good trade for Phoenix, I think. I don't exactly... Mm. I don't think... It's the Celtics would do Here's it. the thing. That's the main thing. <laughs> I wouldn't do it either, but it's a good trade for Phoenix. I like I don't I don't really see I think okay, maybe I would do this, but I think the selling point are the draft picks. Like I, I think it's almost Hayward and Ubre are irrelevant. But if you're in a draft class like this and you can swap ten for fourteen, twenty six, and thirty, that's insane. Like you can swap ten and you can go and grab like, I don't know, Kyra Lewis might still be at fourteen. If you were gonna take him at ten anyway, why not grab him at 14 and then at 26 you grab Bain and at 30 you grab Tyrell Terry? Who knows? Could be anyone. But that right there inherently is a very good swap for the Suns, regardless of those other yeah. two players. So so to be honest, that's the selling point for me. But then also like 
yeah, why does Boston want Ubre in the first place? And and then I'm not entirely sold on the prospect of of Phoenix wanting Hayward either. You know, he's just a, if you really want him that bad, I get, I suppose you could just target him in free agency next summer or winter. Yeah, but I I don't think that they I don't think that they could ne- necessarily do that. Um I think there's there's two reasons why the Celtics might do that. I think they actually do like players like Ubre, long athletic wings. That's kind of what they like. Uh, but two, it's a smaller contract. So they could actually use that to try to create some sort of cap space to sign a free agent in this current off season. So that's the only selling point that you could think of for the reason why they might actually consider doing it. And I do think he'd actually be okay on that team. His role would now shrink even more because it's a better team. Mm-hmm. And in a smaller role, I do think he could be an even better player he than he was on the Suns. lethal in a smaller role. And, yeah. I, I do want to push back a little bit on the idea that Gordon Hayward is injury prone. You know, before his freak injury, it, that's an important point. It was a freak injury. Sure. He jumped up, he landed wrong, broke his ankle. Right. Uh, you know, pr- the previous six seasons, 72, 77, 76, 80, 73 games, like that's pretty significant. It's basically the whole season, less than 10 games missed for most of those seasons. Uh, and then he played one, right? He broke he broke his foot in the first game of the season on his first uh, game with Boston. He played 72 games the next season, so uh, after a pretty serious injury, and then 52 this last season in a shortened season, which is less than you want, obviously. And then he did play in the playoffs, but he did struggle to come back in the playoffs a little bit. Sure. It's not like this guy that's been constantly injured over the course of his no, career. No, it's not, it's not Danilo Gallinari, who's like never played 50 games yes. his entire career or something. That's... Fair. But this is this is the one this is the one thing I want to talk about because I think it's going to be a conversation going forward. Suns fans are pretty confident the Suns can make the playoffs if they stand pat and just sign a little bit of bench pieces. And I want to push back on that quite a bit because the Suns like the biggest problem with the Suns I think going forward if we're talking about a playoff team is how many players on this team can create their own shot. Mm, interesting. There's only one player currently This might relate to create- to my trade later. My proposal. Oh, interesting. So there's only one player right now that can create their own shot on the Suns, Devin Booker. Now, Devin Booker, if he misses 15 games next season in a 72-game season, the Suns are out of luck right there, just right there alone. If they have one more player that can be considered some sort of focal point of the offense that's capable of creating for himself and creating for others, that playoff spot is much more realistic. And so many, so many Suns fans push back on any good player that's capable of doing that because they make a lot of money. But the reason that they make a lot of money is because they're capable of creating their own shot. Now we see as Suns fans how difficult it is to find players that can do that because we only have one. And this is after drafting in the top five for five years in a row. I think that the Suns need to seriously look at this. Suns fans need to seriously look at this team and say, throw the bubble out. Just throw it out entirely. As good as it was, there were players that were injured. There were teams whose playoff spots were already locked in or teams that were not even going to make the playoffs, like Washington. Throw that out entirely and be realistic on what it's going to take to make the playoffs in the West. And that means that the Suns have to be really good with maybe a new second best player on the team. That is the most realistic path. And if you're talking about, well, what if we save that cap space for Giannis? Prove that you can make the playoffs now. If you stand pat, you're fighting for the eighth seed. And Giannis is not going to go to a team fighting for the eighth seed. Now, I don't think he's going to go to the Suns at all. But if you're a Suns fan that's looking for that, 
then you want a guy like Gordon Hayward. Then uh, you want a guy like Chris Paul yeah. because then you can prove God. that you can make Here's the Here's the thing. I agree with you on Chris Paul, and I think we're going to talk about Chris Paul probably a little bit more later. Gordon Hayward, you're losing me a little bit. And, and again, it's not that I think Gordon Hayward's a bad player. I think where our initial disagreement came from, because this started as a conversation on Twitter before we brought it to the podcast and we were disagreeing on Gordon Hayward. I was reacting not to this trade that we're currently talking about. I was reacting right. to a trade that was brought up Rubio on the Ringer NBA show where they right. suggested, I think it was Justin Verrier suggested, that came up this week. He suggested, um, yes, Rubio and Ubre for Gordon. So Hayward. we know he doesn't watch the that songs. is That's a that is a is disastrously bad idea. And and so I Absolutely. would I would push back on the idea even that like like does Gordon Hayward you say the Suns need to find a second Look, best player. Gordon Hayward doesn't do more for the Suns system than even Ricky Rubio does. I see I completely disagree with that. I I think I think it's fair to say that maybe it's close. Maybe it is close, but I think the difference between having a secondary ball handler who's like six foot seven legit six foot seven and ricky rubio is a massive massive difference those are what matter in good sure the best teams have big playmakers and if your if your veterans are ricky rubio and gordon hayward and your best players outside of that are devin booker and deandre and that's a playoff team yeah i mean but but okay the thing i keep coming back to though is without gordon hayward the Suns have a very good crop of wings in Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges and Kelly Oubre, who yeah. are capable. Without Ricky Rubio, the entire system, the foundation Absolutely. that they built this team on the past That's year, collapses. Team. It yeah. collapses. I, I completely agree. And there's no real legitimate way to get a point guard at that point. That's the other part that makes it difficult. You have a little bit of cap space because you're getting rid of both Ricky Rubio uh, and and Kelly Oubre, but you don't have enough to go get Fred Van Vliet if you wanted to replace him with Fred Van Vliet, for example. Like, it's just not enough to replace him with somebody that's worthwhile. So, fair. I just want to make the point. Devin Booker's out for 20 games. Let's say he mm-hmm. is. Now you have Ricky Rubio, you have Gordon Hayward, you have DeAndre, and you have Mikhail Bridges in the starting lineup. You're probably going to tread water. You're probably going to be okay. Like, it wouldn't surprise me to go 500 over those games, which can you imagine even thinking about that in the mm-hmm. past? Or even going forward, like if if we try to stay pat, I don't know. I think I think I Sorry, th- I'm ranting. No, there's you. still options that I like more. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But again, what's let's move Absolutely. on to other trades. What sells me on that trade though? It's not Hayward. It's the picks. But let, let's move on. Right. Do you want to hear a terrible one? Uh, sure. Let's go. Hit me with anything. I believe this was Bleacher Report, and they said the Phoenix sounds, Suns acquired Ben right. Simmons, Ben Simmons, and <laughs> oh Josh Rich- Richardson. From the 76ers for Devin Booker and Richard <laughs> Rubio. <laughs> like, like, are we, like, how confident do you think most NBA fans are that Ben Simmons will continue to be better than Devin Booker going They just, forward? they get off on this, though. Like, this is how, this is how. Right, it's for the 76ers fans. Yeah. This is the uncut gems meme. The, the, this, is, this is how Bleach Report wins. This is how I win. <laughs> is by proposing shitty trades like this that we are going to talk about and, and keep in the, in the sphere when we shouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that one. Like, you know. Yeah, no, let's skip that one. It's, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. This one's a, this one's a real... I, I've found this one to be realistic. Now, when I think about it in a vacuum, I don't find it realistic, but... It's popped up enough by Warriors fans that they seem to be okay with it. And now, Bobby Marks actually talked about this specific idea 
on the the Zach Lowe podcast, which is I believe the first time I heard it is by our uh, our coworkers, if you will, on the Blue Wire Podcast Network from the Light Years podcast. They cover the Golden State Warriors. I think Andy Liu was the first one I saw talk about this, and it's Kelly Oubre Jr. and the tenth pick for the second overall pick from the Warriors. Now this one's kind of fascinating, and it's. And it's like this one's fascinating because I'm reading the specific blurb written here of what they want the Suns to do once they get the second pick. Oh, let's not let's ignore that. <laughs> I'll ignore. I'll ignore that for now. I'll ignore that. This one has come up in enough places that I don't want to call out that article directly. <laughs> I know the one you're talking about. Okay, this ties into the one that I want to potentially talk about in a second, but I just want to hear you first of all. What do you think about just this idea? Well, in general. In a normal year, that is a great trade. I think, yeah, I think that is a great trade. This year, when we don't even have a consensus number one pick, and when, let's say, it's, it, it is pretty likely that LaMelo Ball goes number one overall, um, if you can't convince me that anyone else in the top five is necessarily a great fit for Phoenix, look, I think Killian Hayes is a great player. I have him, you know, in my top five myself. But I don't know that if Killian Hayes goes, like, Drafting Killian Hayes, for example, number two, that doesn't justify that trade for me when I think there's still a very good chance that you get a player that could be really good at number 10, whether it be Devin Vassell or Tyrese Halliburton or Kyra Lewis Jr., whoever whoever it may be. Um, so there is nothing from a draft value standpoint that entices me about this trade. Nothing at all. I think... Okay, what if, sure. what if LaMelo Ball was available? And the Suns could potentially sign, say, Christian Wood to replace Kelly Oubre Jr. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a team. Here's the thing about LaMelo Ball. I think that's a team that gets like 25 TNT games next year, which would be really cool in one way. <laughs> Is it actually a good team? Probably not. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I, still, I still would hesitate with that. I still would hesitate with that. But what I was going to say, where it gets interesting is if you could flip it, for something. Ah, that's yeah, there's where my trade mm. is. Are we thinking of the same trade? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Did, I, well, so both of us we challenged each other to come up with a trade cuz cuz again, put up or shut up. You can't just come on here and be judgmental and shit on all these trades and not have something to put up yourself to be judged out there by the world. Um but we didn't we didn't trade it, so I have no idea. What do you want to share it now or do you want to wait a little bit more? Uh, you know, I'll I'll share okay. mine, and it's a, it's more of a question than it is a proposal. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Would you trade the second overall pick and DeAndre Ayton for Bradley Beal? Oh, uh, yeah, no doubt. Really? Well, I didn't expect you to say it so fast. Do, I've talked myself into it as I think about a, it more and more. Let me do a little bit of research here, just real quick. <laughs> let me go. It's about 20. If you're looking at his contract, it's, it's, I think it starts at $28 million next year. And then he's uh, got two more it, years after that. That's mm-hmm. good. Two more years after that. And he's really fucking Bradley good. Bradley like, really Beal is, good. is uh, the most underrated offensive player in the NBA, probably. And they, so they, they, the, a lot of the, the talk about the Warriors is they don't have enough to get Bradley Beal because it's just the second overall pick in Andrew Wiggins, which is not a good selling point. But if you're talking about the second overall pick and then a previous first overall pick, that really should have been the second overall pick. So two second overall picks. Um, so how much? How it's much? A little different. How much does Beal make right now? So I'm gonna say. You You'd realize up your, you could do that by the way with the trade exception from 
you could do that with the trade exception from the warriors that you get and just absorb it into the cap oh. space and the suns you can do it without getting rid of any interesting other players. well and you still have a bit a bit of a clusterfuck with a loaded backcourt of beal booker and, and yeah, rubio that's rubio. the next move right I mean, I don't Man, know. It, it, I kind of it like really, all three of them on the same team. It really destroys everything you were building last year. But on the other hand, it's one of the most talented backcourts of certainly of this generation, if not potentially uh, maybe ever. all time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think you do it. I think you. Do. I don't I think, think I don't do. think Washington does it though. Why not? I actually think they might. I, I think when has Washington ever committed to being bad? I think they're one. They're just one of those organizations that no matter what they want to push for their 33 to 36 wins and maybe an eighth seed in the Eastern Conference and that's good enough for them. I don't know why. I, think I don't know that why, you but could I think sell that's... your fan base on LaMelo Ball and DeAndre Ayton. Like if that can happen, that's actually pretty and good. Rui Hachimura. Yeah, yeah, and Rui, yeah. Hey, Rui's not terrible. No, he's, he's, he's fine. He's fine. It's, I mean, that's Washington. That's what they are. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> They're just, that's what they are. I, and I think that's what they... Well, that's my, that's my trade proposal. And, I, and I've talked myself into it. And I actually think, like, the only way I would... Because if we're just talking about the Kelly Oubre 10 for two, I think the only way i do that is if you're planning on then flipping uh, that into something else. The problem with the Suns, or not a problem necessarily, but the, the issue, what makes it hard is they they only really have two like sort of larger contracts that are tradable mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre being one of them if he goes out then in order to attach that that second overall pick to somebody else the only other contract that makes sense to shop is now Ricky Rubio and as we talked about with no other point guards that's, that are better than Ricky Rubio available it really doesn't make sense to turn around and shop him at that point that's why I looked at what's the next, what's the best option. Of course, I think that would be Bradley Beal. And I honestly, like, what is a better op? What is a better offer for Bradley Beal than than DeAndre Ayton and the number two overall pick in a draft, regardless of the draft? I mean, like, who has a better offer than that? I don't think. I'm not really sure. There I is don't one. think there is one. But I, again, I just struggle to see. I don't know what Washington is doing this offseason. I really don't. Maybe we should have <laughs> talked to, to a Wizards person, to a Washington basketball team person first, but Yeah. Yeah, we have Matt, I think. Yeah, we we've brought Matt Moderno on before. He covers them. They run a podcast um with Larry Hughes who used to play with the Wizards, but but yeah, I I don't know what their offseason priorities are. I just I'm tempted to say that they would have a similar reaction to what Phoenix fans would say if someone approached us about Devin Booker, which is fuck off. We have him for, you know, in their case 3 years, in our case 4 years. But even so, uh, I, I think mm-hmm. I think it seems. I don't know. I, I'll give you credit for this. Two things. I'm proud of you that it wasn't a Chris Paul trade. Uh, <laughs> not not because I hate those, but I'm just I'm proud no. of that. We we love ca- I, character I, development. So props, yeah, look, props listen, for that I, one. But I'll continue to be the only Suns fan that wants better <laughs> players on the team next yeah, year. Yeah, well, for some reason, everyone else just wants mediocre players. I'm the only one that wants actual good players. Well. Uh, on the team next I'm year. glad you brought up mediocre players. The other thing I was going to say is uh, <laughs> is your proposal is much more inventive than mine because the player I'm targeting is much more mediocre. But Okay, well, who is okay. it? Uh, my full offer. Here's my full offer. It's definitely a lot more mediocre. I feel like it doesn't really stand up next to yours. But I'm, pr- I'm proud of this one in the sense that I think I thought it through and I think it's realistic. But of course, now that I said that, everyone's going to tell me to eat shit and die after we put this out. Um, the offer is the Brooklyn Nets get Kelly Oubre, the 10th overall pick, and Ty Jerome, 
the Phoenix Suns get Spencer Dinwiddie, the 19th overall pick, and Garrett Temple. And I can explain my logic and reasoning here. It is not that I hate Kelly Oubre so much and I just can't wait to get rid of him, but the thing you were talking about earlier on this episode, the Suns don't have a player who can create his own shot outside of Devin Booker. Well, uh, yes, obviously one way to fix that is to go out and get Chris Paul or, or Bradley Beal, but thinking a little bit smaller here, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is just like, I think he's awesome. I love everything about that guy. I think he's weird. I think he's like deliciously weird. But I also think he's a good player. And to remind people, on a Brooklyn Nets team that was pretty thin on talent this year, didn't necessarily have a lot of people helping him. Um, Dinwiddie stepped into a starting role this year. He averaged 21 points, 6.8 assists per game to only 2.7 turnovers. His efficiency dropped from where it was last year when he was a bench player down to just 42% from um, as a field goal shooter this year and 31% from deep. But this is a guy who can create his own shot. This is a guy who can play make for others. Critically, those are two things that I think if you're asking Kelly Oubre to step into a sixth man role, he wouldn't be very good at for the Suns. This right. trade would be created on the idea that Dinwiddie can take another step back, back to where he was for the Nets last year, when he was a very, very, very good sixth man, competent player, can create his own shot, can run the offense, would be an amazing fit with basically any bench player you could possibly put him with. Um, for and, and I do think it's important to say, too, Spencer Dinwiddie, across the board, his advanced stats are better than Kelly Oubre's. I think he's a better player in a vacuum than Kelly Oubre. That's where the pick swap comes in. So the Suns move down from 10th to 19th, The reason that doesn't bother me is because I think there's a 95% chance you can get someone like Desmond Bain at at 19th. I think there's a 99% chance you could get someone like Tyrell Terry at 19th if you now wanted to draft him and kind of have him learn slowly under this three-man trio of Rubio, Booker, and Dinwiddie that in the backcourt I think would just be uh, so amazing for the team's creation abilities. And what Brooklyn is getting out of it, you might ask yourself why is Brooklyn doing this in the first place, is... You're going to have Kyrie back. You're going to have Durant back. Uh, Karis LeVert, obviously a good playmaker as well, who made, you know, continues to make strides with that organization. At a certain point, yeah. I think too many cooks for them in the backcourt. Too many guys with the ball in their yeah. hands. Dinwiddie is a guy who thrives with the ball in his hands. And what Brooklyn... I, I got I to gotta ask sure, you, though. Sure, sure, sure. Do you, do you like Dinwiddie more than LeVert? Uh, no, but I think they're willing to trade Dinwiddie and I don't think they're willing to trade Levert. That's the critical thing. Well, it's interesting. Cause, cause, it's interesting. But, but just to, just to finish, Brooklyn's got like all these guys now coming next year when they have Durant and Kyrie who are great with the ball in their hands, Dinwiddie included, what they don't have are finishers. They've got a couple of finishers. They've got Joe Harris, who's a sharpshooter. They got Jared Allen. And they've got Jared Allen. And those are the two guys. I think they're going to try really hard to re-sign Joe Harris so that they keep that sharpshooter in the corner. And I think they want Jared Allen and and to an extent also like DeAndre Jordan running pick and rolls, being rim runners. What they could really use is a guy who can kind of step back into a smaller role and be another elite finisher. Let KD worry about the, the ball handling. Let... Kyrie worry about running the offense and just be a guy in a laid back role who focuses on being a transition threat, hit your threes. Kelly Oubre in that sort of role. You talked about what could Kelly Oubre do for a good team. I think that's exactly what I'm talking about here. So I think you you get rid of a guy like Dinwiddie who needs the ball in his hands to succeed. You send him to Phoenix where he'd be amazing running our second unit. And in return for Brooklyn, you get a guy who's a high level finisher, I think in a smaller role in Kelly Oubre. You kind of just tell him to play off of KD and and Kyrie, and I think he could really excel in that role. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the basic idea. I just think like it's an optimization problem for the Suns, where if their biggest problem is self-creation of playmaking, you fix a lot of that with a, kind of a basic swap like this. I love it. I love it. It's good content. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving run that team. And supposedly Kyrie Irving is very close to Spencer Dinwiddie. Interesting. I didn't know that. And, and, and I think in a lot of ways they may not like how much Karis LeVert likes dribbling the ball, the way you talk about what Kelly Oubre could do for that team. I think, uh, you know, I will say too, thinking about the idea of how angry Kevin Durant got at Draymond Green for not passing him the ball. Can you imagine how he would feel about Kelly Oubre not passing him the ball? Mm-hmm. Like Draymond Green actually passes quite a bit, and he still got. It's mad. an adjustment, but I think, for sure. I think the Nets are actually willing to trade all of those guys. Well, essentially, the the main ones that you're talking about, which is Spencer Dinwiddie, I still think he's an asset that they can use to get better. Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and I do think you you're right. Uh, they want to resign their shooter, but. I do think if they want to trade both Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, getting a 10th pick back to try to package with Karis LeVert is actually something that they could consider doing. Like yeah. if they were wanting to go for a guy like, say, Drew Holiday, that could make them a title favorite or, or sure. one of the best players, uh, it, it, you know, one of the best teams. I want to say so. for the for the Suns, too, this is a little more inconsequential, but... At the end of that trade, you know, I had to make the salaries match. The way I did that is I swapped Ty Jerome and Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple makes like five or six million dollars. He's got one more year left on his deal. I don't think that's a totally like I don't think it's a it's not a throwaway. I don't think it's a difference maker, but I don't think it's a throwaway either. And the reason I did that was intentional because I think Garrett Temple is a guy you lose Kelly Oubre, but you plug a guy who can just shoot 35 percent from deep. He averaged like 10 points a game this year. You know, a bench player. But you've got another depth piece to to plug right into that wing rotation. Not to mention, you know, you don't lose cap space by doing this trade. You can still go out. You can still use your mid-level exception. Maybe you gun hard for a guy like Justin Holiday now to try and replenish the wing depth uh, since you lost Kelly Oubre. I just think you could build a very good team this way. I think Spencer Dinwiddie would hate it. <laughs> but I, I still like it in theory. Uh, and if you can if you can sell him on it, that's that's... One of the best I six think men in the league. Spencer Dinwiddie would need to get over the initial shock of moving away from a market where he can talk about his fancy cryptocurrencies and whatnot, um, and and maybe a market where he expected to be on a contender, right? But I think ultimately, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be playing the best basketball, not necessarily the best basketball of his career, individual stats wise, but I think he's going to be on the best team of his career because I think it's I think it's really a playoff team next year if you go that route. Yeah, I, you know, I was talking about how the Suns have a lack of players that can create their own shot. He can, and he's good at it. So I, I like that trade uh, for many reasons. He's not hes not exactly like a... He is a ceiling raiser. He's not exactly like a potential all-star. No, he's not. Uh, but I think he still makes a massive difference uh, Look, on the team. he's not Bradley Beal. So I like it. He's not even close to Bradley yeah. Beal. He's not Damian Lillard. He's not right. even Chris Paul or Gordon Hayward. But I do think he makes a difference. More importantly, it's not so much that I think he's such a better player than Kelly Oubre as much as I think he's a better fit for what the Phoenix Suns need going into next year. But that might be in a little bit, you know, I know you're saying you like the trade right now, but that might contrast your view of of what Phoenix needs a little bit because you always talk about you want this uh, rotation, um, this deep rotation of switchable wings. And so picking up a guy like Dinwiddie is not exactly that. It's kind of going back more to the Isaiah Thomas, Goran Dragic, Bledsoe era. Yeah. 
I think you have to try and get another guy in free agency. Yeah, I think if you picked up Justin Holiday to pair with it, like I'm totally yeah, cool exactly. with that. And like Justin Holiday, uh, maybe Crowder is another sure, option. Sure. Like if you if you're trying to do that, so that I think that would make it a little more pal- a little more exciting, not necessarily palatable. I think exciting. Here's the thing. I think there's a small chance that Kelly Oubre is definitely gone. <laughs> and, well, I mean, and he doesn't even follow not, Devin Booker on Instagram. He doesn't follow Devin Booker on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this when I t- when I tweeted about that. One of the one of the people who follow me on Twitter, a Suns fan, also said, "Yeah, I did find it kind of weird that he wasn't celebrating for Devin Booker in the bubble." And I thought, "Yeah, right." And then he said, "Well, no, I noticed on the dunk he doesn't on Devin Booker's dunk in, in Philadelphia. He's like the only one that doesn't celebrate." So I went back and I watched. Oh my that god, clip. you really did this? And yeah, and he doesn't celebrate. Like it's actually kind of odd. He just nods. Everyone else on the bench is jumping up and dancing around, and Kelly Oubre literally just sits down and nods, uh, which is nothing. Obviously, could just be that he was tired that day, or <laughs> the game was close enough that he didn't want to celebrate too much before the game was over. Uh, it could have been a lot of things, but I think there's still a small chance that, not necessarily for any personality reasons. I think there's a small chance that James Jones is just not infatuated with Kelly Oubre, does not want to re-sign him in the future, and now is the chance to trade him to get some sort of value out of him. I think the fact that he only signed a two-year deal with the Suns means something. It could it could have been motivated by Kelly Oubre, but it could have been motivated also by James Jones. I also often think back to a season ticket holder event that I went to uh, before the 2019-20 season where James Jones says whether he starts or comes off the bench, because this was something that was being debated at the time, whether he starts or comes off the bench, Kelly Oubre is the same guy no matter where he is. Reckless. <laughs> That's the word that he used to he describe really, Kelly he really Oubre. used that word. This is to all a room full of Suns fans. This is what he said. So I, I often think back on James Jones and think about that a little bit. Now, obviously, they played well enough that it's defensible to try to keep Kelly Oubre going forward. But I'm not fully convinced that James Jones is in love with him. I think I think this offseason obviously is going to say a lot about how he feels about him. So, you know, I think a lot of ways, and maybe we should do this at the end of the podcast or, or have Suns fans comment on this. If Kelly Oubre is for sure going to be traded, what is the best trade for not him? Not that we're that I th- suggesting 100% he's gone or anything. It's, oh, we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have no idea. But I, but I think there is a small chance that... Yeah. James Jones just is not fully in love with him. And, and, and if you know that now, then now is a good chance to, to optimize what you get for him. And obviously, I am against that in most cases. Well, I mean, if he has to be gone, James Jones did think he was getting Dylan Brooks. You know, <laughs> I hate to I hate to bring it up. But since we already made a reference to it earlier in the episode, I think. It, uh, yeah. And you know what? Dylan Brooks was good. Yeah, sure. He was. It actually at first I was like, that's that's not a great trade. But after that, I'm like, he is pretty good. He, he doesn't play defense, though. Uh, let's talk about some of the ones that people commented on my tweet. I think we're going to try and get through a few of these here. Obviously, we can't get through all of them. There's like 25 or so options here. Uh, but let's just, I'll, I'll read out a few of them. Let's quickly talk about them to try and get through more than one. This is from John Phipps, um, a great Suns fan with a lot of great opinions here. He said, a small trade back, number 10 to Boston for 14 or 26, or number 10 to Dallas for 18 and 31. Love it. I'll quickly, I just want to quickly say this. I don't know that this is the right draft to trade back in. And here's why. If you have guys that you definitely want and you're assuming they're going to be available later, you have to be really confident in that intel only because the common 
thought about this draft is after the top five, it's essentially even like six to 25 or so. So any of those guys can potentially go anywhere depending on how these teams feel about it. And there's a good chance that this extra time that they've had to evaluate means that these teams are going to be overthinking things a little bit. So if they do trade, <laughs> they better be sure that they're getting the right guy because it's going to be an unpredictable For draft, sure. And and there's always a chance that someone else moves up and takes Alexei Pokashevsky at 10, maybe if you trade back and Pokashevsky becomes a seven-time All-Star and you look like an asshole. But that yeah. being said, I think I think... Mostly, this is a great idea um, to whoever's John, to John who suggested it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I think either one, obviously the Boston one, 14 and 26, you would prefer to get that. But even Dallas, 18 and 31, I think you could convince me that that works too. Maybe, maybe like ask Dallas to sweeten with something else. I don't know. I'd have yeah, to look I at think their you roster. would try to get like Jalen Brunson or maybe. Yeah, Boban. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson only makes like $1.6 million. Not actually you could just Boban. absorb that. <laughs> I take Boban. <laughs> it's just fun to root for Boban. Uh, all right. Nuno Sousa said, Ubre for Patty Mills and Derek White. Just straight mm. up, no picks involved. Uh, does that does that work in the cap? I think yeah, it I does. Mean, I, I, do, I do wonder like if the Spurs would do that. I guess that's part of discussing these tweet, well, the tweet ones. This, yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I can't instantly put myself, I can instantly put myself in the mindset of what I think the Suns might do. I'm not well-versed enough. The Spurs are another one of those teams. They're another Washington. They're, they're a much better version of Washington, granted, but something tells me that, you know, the Spurs always want to be competitive to, to some extent, except yeah, yeah. for the one year I mean, that if they Popovich is still coaching. Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I like it. Again, I think it's good. I think, yeah, I, do I think it solves a lot of the yeah. Suns' issues. I think it gives them a competent, uh, not just a competent starting backcourt in Rubio and Booker, but it instantly gives you a competent bench yeah. backup. Um, yeah, bench you might backcourt. have the best depth, uh, guard depth in the and league, or close to the best guard depth in the two league. Two guys who can shoot. Um, a, Derek White's a good defender. Yeah. You know, Patty Mills, not so great. <laughs> Patty Mills is, is getting older. He's an excellent offensive player, and I think he's just one of those super smart guys. We saw how he played in the World Cup. You know, we talked about Rubio there. Patty Mills was another standout mm. player in those in those World Cup performances. So I like that Derek, one, too. I'd, uh, like to hear, I'd like to hear some sort of justification, Nuno, either by you or anyone listening on why the Spurs might do this, other than just taking a chance on Oubre, which I think... You know, it's a fair justification. They they're pretty good at developing. Just wings, to throw the the numbers out there, I think people have a, a decent idea of what Patty Mills does. He shoots threes, but Derek White this year, um, age twenty five season, he put up eleven points, three point three rebounds, three point five assists, and about twenty five minutes per game. Um, he started. He came off the bench in most of his games, but he also kind of is a flex option. He started twenty games for them this season. So you know, a guy who's averaging eleven, three and a half, three and a half. Like you said, he plays yeah. defense. He's a long guy. Yeah. He can. He can break up the passing lanes. I think he gets a lot of blocks. Um, in fact, looking here, I can confirm he averages almost one block a game, which for a guy who's wow. a point guard shooting guard yeah. combo is is insane. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of a guy who does it all. It doesn't exactly, you know, not going to score 25 points very often, um, but is a very stabilizing yeah. presence who can maybe get better. Yeah, I've heard... Uh that Spurs fans are not super enamored with Derek White. They, there's kind of a split in the fan base with him. So uh, an interesting thing. I think in, in that case, you try to keep Aaron Baines. Obviously, you got a pair of Patty Mills and Aaron Baines coming off the bench. They have such chemistry playing together. I think that would be really fun to watch. All right, next one. I think this one is really excellent. It's kind of compl- complicated. It's Cody. 
Hunt, our friend Cody, he said, okay, so the Suns would send out Kelly Oubre, Frank Kaminsky, so you'd have to sign Frank Kaminsky. All of these involve Kelly Oubre. Apologies to any Kelly Oubre stands who are ready to shoot themselves listening to this episode, but... Yeah, while we were recording, somebody commented and said, why does everybody want to trade Kelly Oubre? And fair. Uh, Kelly Oubre, Frank Kaminsky, Ty Jerome, and the first or the first round pick, so the tenth tenth pick. So Frank, Kelly, Ty, tenth pick for Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon. So the two the two best Magic players, <laughs> arguably. Uh, which at at first glance might sound a little unrealistic, but the rumors are that, and I've been listening. To, clearly, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about the off season. The rumors are Orlando's not totally convinced that they're going to re-sign Evan Fournier. Now, I want to say Evan Fournier, by the way, has a $17 million contract for next year. That is a player option. There is a chance. Now, it doesn't happen often that players don't take their player options when they're that high. But there is a chance that he could decline that player option and a team like, say, the Suns could sign him to a longer deal to come off the bench and be your sixth man. Uh, You'd have to give him quite a bit of money and probably a four-year deal who I think he's like 27, 28, maybe 29. Not old, but a longer deal for money is a little dangerous at that point. But there is a chance that you could sell him without making this trade. But supposedly the Magic don't want to pay him, so they don't want to have to do that in the future. And then Aaron Gordon, you just want to make way for the forwards that are on that team. Jonathan Isaac is obviously potentially one of the best defensive player players in the NBA. You clear up some space for him by getting rid of Aaron Gordon, and now you have Kelly Oubre next to him. That's two super long guys I love this trade. I think it's fascinating. I think it's really I think it's great. Uh, inventive. Yeah. I would expect nothing less from Cody. I don't know though. Um I don't think you could sell I don't think you could sell the Magic fans on this and then that's why the Magic wouldn't do right. it. Right. Yeah. But I also I, don't I, think, I think can you sell like Fournier has been starting for the Magic for a while. So he needs to he needs to be in the mental state where he's he's look, he's got to come to the realization he's got to be like look I'm 27 or 28 or whatever I yeah. am it's you sh- I should probably look that up it's huh? time <laughs> it's time for me to actually play good basketball but as a sixth man cuz if he doesn't do that well, then that breaks the trade right there he's 27 first of all and he is a huge fan of Devin Booker cuz he has tweeted about how great Devin Booker is he was one of the players by the way when Devin Booker was not selected for his all-star berth that publicly said that that's insane but he's also not really, like, he's good, but he's not really a starter, is he? Like, is he actually going to be a starter on a good yeah, team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it. he's a good player, but I don't think he's a difference maker exactly. But I do think he's better than Kelly Oubre at some of the things. I mean, he's in he's in exactly the same tier of player as Kelly Oubre, in my opinion. Right. The only difference is, right. is you give Kelly a little bit more athleticism and you give Fournier a little bit more skill. And I think that's where it balances out. But I think they're they're basically the same player. Yes, I. but I think Fournier, as a bench piece, if you could sell him on it, would be one of the better scorers. Totally. Like, the offensive problems with the Suns are are relatively fixed. And this is a scenario, we've, we've talked about it in the past, where you keep Cameron Payne, as your, Cameron Payne and Javon Carter as your guards, your point guards for the, for the bench unit. This is a scenario where you could do that because you have a skilled sort of, shooting guard small forward he's more of a shooting guard in my mind in Evan Fournier that the offense can sort of focus around and you can get away with minutes now with Cameron Payne or Javon Carter because you have such a skilled offensive player I like this trade I think it's I think it's probably a no on the magic side but I think there's still a chance that they actually wouldn't hate it very very creative trade very interesting trade though 
Uh, let's see. We're over an hour now. Let's, let's do one, a couple more. One, two one more? Or two, yeah, two, two more. more. Okay. Let's find two more. Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, interesting. We talked about that one. Some of these we've actually talked about. Oh, I like this one, Let's Giannis see. for a second and a cash consideration. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a great one. <laughs> oh, uh, this one's interesting. Aiton, Cam, and Rubio for Harden. Aiton, Cam, and... <laughs> you go, you if go first. If the Rockets blow it up. <laughs> you know, it's hard for me to even... It's hard for me to even, like, think about this trade in any... Like, Harden is really good. Like, really good. And, and he's so frustratingly good. And, it, and it's become so unfun to watch. I th- it's hard for me to want it, Daryl. But how could you say Daryl no? Morey or no Daryl Morey? Because we know he's not with the Houston Rockets anymore. I think it's going to be tough to sell that organization. Yeah, there's no chance on building around DeAndre Ayton. They, they'd want Booker. They'd yes, want. They'd want you Booker. know, they want Booker. You are, and that's a fair thing. You are to trading want. for the third greatest shooting guard of all time. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> temper your expectations a little bit. That's not going to happen. All right, this, uh, this is from Philip Lindblom. He said, is it possible to do a signing trade to include players as well? No, that's not possible, which I did break down. But these trades in separate are possible. So this is something I think that's going to come up. We obviously have talked about, for everyone who's commented uh, CP3, we've talked enough about that, I think. We know how, how we feel about that. Uh, but this one, he said, canard. So this is going to come up, I think, a lot. So what he suggested, which is not necessarily possible, was canard and Christian Wood for the 10, Ubre, Frank, and Okobo. So he's just throwing some players out there. And it would have to be some sort of sign and trade. So I don't, it's complicated to do that, but I think you can get away with trading like Frank Kaminsky in the 10th for Kennard. And then Christian Wood in the sign and trade in a separate trade, if that's legal. I'm not really sure for Kelly Ubre somehow. Um, it's interesting because what it does is if you don't sign Christian Wood for over what Kelly Oubre made, it preserves your cap space. You essentially replace Christian Wood with Kelly Oubre. Then you still have the ability of creating up to like $17, $18 million in cap space where you can go after other players at that point. And you still have Kennard, which who doesn't make a lot of, a lot of money. So you can relatively create cap space relatively easily. No 10th pick at that point. So that, that hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pick at all. But that's what, yeah. Uh, no draft. pick at all. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think about that one? It's not bad. I, yeah, it's not terrible. I, it's not bad. Yeah, um, I, don't hate it. I think it's one of those ones that if Ubre is definitely gone. I'm on the fence. Then this is the t- kind I'm of thing. I'm on the fence about at. that one. Uh, I would. I think I'd rather just keep Ubre and play it straight in free agency, try and sign Christian. I think Wood. I would too. I think that's what I'm tempted to I do. I think there. I would too. Yeah. I think I would too. And I think what's tough is. It's the Canard medical stuff. Like, if, if I was fully confident Canard could stay healthy, then you're essentially getting what Evan Fournier is, you know, in Luke Kennard. Uh, but, but, you know, there are rumors that his health is what scares people off of him, and that's what supposedly scared the Suns off of trading a top 10 protected pick before, which means the Suns would have kept it, which would have been a very smart trade, right, in hindsight, because nobody saw the bubble thing coming, and then the, <laughs> the pick protections, by the way, would have been hilarious on that, because the Suns technically were slotted to get, like, the 13th pick, but because of the bubble and the fact that they kept the, the picks based on the records before the bubble, the Suns ended up with the 10th pick. That would have been hilarious that would have if been they hilarious. traded a top 10 protected. Actually, really would have been. Um, it would have been great for the Suns, like an excellent trade for the Suns. It would have essentially been next year's second round pick for Luke Kennard, which would have been really good. Uh, but yeah, that's a fascinating one too. 
There's a lot more on my Twitter account. Feel free to go in there and take a look at it. People who are listening, I'd like to hear what you think the best trade that we talked about here was. A lot of them were relatively unrealistic. Maybe you hated I, them actually, all. Actually, it's difficult to know. Go and yeah, leave us a one-star review and tell us why. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I do think that if you want to piss off a fan base, do a whole podcast about trading their favorite players. That's, that's a good way to do it. So uh, forgive us, anyone who listened to this. At this point. We're almost three years in. Hey, just know. Like like somebody said, do we have to talk about trading players during a pandemic? And I just told them, hey, man, we got to do one of these every week. <laughs> so <laughs> cut us some slack. It is what it is. We got to do a podcast every week. So I appreciate everyone for listening. You got anything else before we go, Sam? Nope. That is, uh, that's it for me this week. Uh, take care of yourselves this week, people. And uh, Yeah, vote. Go vote early. That's a good it's point. not smart to wait in line. That's a good point. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.